we want to win, and that's where the phrase finders, keepers, losers, weepers has come from. And so kind of to close out this series, I searched and searched for the most motivational, in-depth, inspiring quote that I could find, and this is what I came up with. I'm I'm not sure I really accomplished that. Um, Thank you, Judge Judy. High five. Um, so not, not a great quote, I, I know, but we do want to win. If you're anything like me, we, we want to win. And then we hear other quotes from this guy, Ted Turner. He's pretty wealthy, um, successful guy. And he said this about Christians and, and he meant it as a real encouraging statement. He said, Christianity is a religion for losers. And he took a jab at all of Christians and all people who follow Jesus, and he was like, "You're you're a loser. You're, it's a whole religion full of losers." He doesn't doesn't like Christians, and so I hate to hear that, and it is very demotivating. I don't like that. I don't like that he said that. But here's the reality: maybe it's a little closer to the truth than I want to admit, because Jesus himself said this in Luke 9, 24. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, or if, in other words, if we try to keep it, he said, you will lose it. And he said, then, but if you give up your life, or in other words, if you lose your life for my sake, he said, you will find it or save it. So Jesus is saying When you lose, you're choosing to win. He's saying if you try to keep it, the reality is you will lose. So Jesus is essentially saying this, losers finders, keepers weepers. And we said in week one, if this is the case, If we are all going to lose in certain areas of our life, if that really is the case, then what if in some critical, very, very important areas in our lives, we made a choice to actually lose in some certain things in order to win later, then that would be really, really, really wise of us if it is truly, as Jesus said, losers are finders, but keepers are weepers. Let me give you an example. Perhaps there's a family struggling financially. They have been loaded up with debt, new cars, new house, new boat, perhaps. Probably not this one, but maybe. And maybe, just maybe, they say, listen, we are way overextended. This is more than we can do. We should not have done all this. They find themselves in a hole, and perhaps then they choose to lose in some ways financially. And their neighbors, their friends might be looking at them and they might be saying, wow, they're really losing now. Because maybe they make a choice to to get rid of their new vehicles and to downsize and to get some vehicles that they can actually afford. And maybe they choose to even downsize their home and get out of their bigger home and go to a smaller home and share some bedrooms and move into a smaller home so that they can get rid of some of this debt and help pay off some of this debt. And maybe they choose to even sell some four-wheelers and maybe a boat. And and they're all in the effort to downsize so that they can live within their means and they can get this debt paid for. And their neighbors might be saying, wow, they really have lost. Have you seen? The boats are going out. They lost their brother. Maybe they're choosing to lose in some certain areas 
But then, as they get that debt paid off, then maybe now they start taking all of those payments that were going towards debt, and now maybe they pay themselves, and they put that in savings. And their savings is beginning to grow. And now when they need a vehicle, maybe they don't go buy the brand new one. Maybe they buy one with some miles on it, and they get, and, but they pay cash for it so they don't have the debt. And maybe they're continuing to put money in savings. So listen to what is happening. They have made a choice to lose in some certain areas so that later, maybe a few years later or years later, they can begin to win. So maybe what Jesus is talking about spiritually really is really a big deal in other areas of our lives too, that losers become finders, but keepers become weepers. Maybe that is a reality. Now, last week we said this. We said it is time to choose to lose. It is time to make that choice. So last week we told the story about the guys in the boat, the disciples. Jesus pushed them out onto the water, and it got crazy out there. About the minute they, had, they, they thought the boat was going to sink, and they were scared. They were nervous. They were like bailing it out, and they were freaking out. They wanted out of the boat because they were in danger. But then they saw Jesus walking on the water, and suddenly this boat that they were freaking out about, that they were scared of, they, did, they didn't want in, suddenly they wanted to stay in the boat. I mean, suddenly they're bailing out. It's like... It's not so bad. I mean, it's sinking kind of slow. We got time. They didn't want to get out and go out there where Jesus was out on the water. It was scary. And here's what we said last week. Only one of them did. Only one of them got out of the boat. It was Peter. And he got out of the boat. And guess what he did? Peter walked on the water. Jesus was walking on the water. Peter walked on the water. No one else walked on the water. They all stayed in the boat. They missed it, and they never did walk on the water. Last week we said it is time to lose whatever it is that is holding you back, whatever it is that is kind of your security or your comfort. It is time for you to get your stuff and get out of the boat and go follow Jesus. That's what we said last week. So that's where we are now this week. But before we can go on this week, I really need to kind of... Uh, catch you up with this whole story that we've been following. Because what we have been doing is we have been talking about uh, a series of events that happened really close together in just a short amount of time in the life of Jesus. And the Gospels give us this, these snapshots, one right after the other. So let me kind of tell you where we started, where we have been with this story, so you can know where we're going today. These events started, that we're talking about, when Jesus got word that his cousin, uh, who was called John the Baptizer, who was very close to him, had been executed. Jesus now really needing to get alone. Now we're told in the Bible that Jesus is God. So God put on the flesh and blood of man. He's God. But yet this human side of God has emotions, right? Like we do. And he needed to get away from the crowds to process this whole thing to grieve and to pray. He needed to get away. But yet, 
the, there were so many needs in the crowd and they were pressing in and they were coming in that Jesus put, he chose to lose his own needs in that moment and to love the people around him and to serve them. So he taught them all day long. He was healing all day long. And suddenly by the time the day was drawing to a close, no one had eaten anything. They were famished. They were hungry. And so it's time to eat. So Jesus is given this small box lunch that has some bread and it has some fish in it. But yet, that's all he has to feed 15,000 people who are gathered all around him about that. That's an estimate. About 15,000 people gathered all around him. And he has one small meal that's a lunch meal for a little kid. But Jesus takes that and he multiplies that and feeds all 15,000 people until they are done eating. They were finished. They were through. They were full. They were content. It was a big deal. Now, while Jesus was there doing that, he also had uh, some conversations with, uh, with his disciples, the, his closest 12. And in part of one of those conversations... Uh, Jesus tells his followers, he tells these disciples, he says, listen, I'm going to be tortured severely and I am going to be killed. They're going to kill me. But three days later, I'm going to walk out of the tomb. And, and Peter kind of pulls Jesus to the side and says, Jesus, listen, bro, you, you don't need to be talking like this. That is not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. That is not the plan. We are going to see you through. We're going to see this happen. That's not the plan. Jesus puts Peter in his place, and he's like, Peter, that is your plan. That is not my plan. My plan is not your plan. So you need to be quiet now. This is talking, and this is not. He said, stop. That's not my plan. And so he kind of puts him in his place. And then Jesus kind of pulls together all the people who are right there around him. He pulls them together and says, listen, here's the reality. If you want to be my follower, you're going to have to pick up your cross. Now, we hear that, and we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because... Jesus died on the cross, and yeah, it makes sense. Jesus had not yet died on the cross. So what they were hearing Jesus say was really freaking them out. This was startling. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you've got to pick up your cross. In other words, in our language today, you've got to pick up your form of, of public execution. Pick that up and follow me, because I've got mine, and that's where we're headed. And, and it was really, that was crazy talk. That was, but that's what Jesus said. You want to be my follower? Pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, after all the people saw these amazing things that Jesus was doing, multiplying, he was healing the people, multiplying that meal to feed everybody, and then the teaching that Jesus was giving, the, the crowd began to kind of talk, and they were like, we, Jesus is amazing, we need to make him our king. And so they began to spread the word throughout all these 15,000 people, we need to make Jesus our king right now, the king of Israel today. And that was not God's plan either. Jesus was like, nope, that's not the plan. So he takes his disciples, as this crowd is kind of being worked up into a frenzy, he puts his disciples in a boat, and he sends them off into the lake to get them away from the people. And Jesus then, I don't know what he tells them, we're not told, but he calms down the crowd, and he sends them all home. And then Jesus finally gets that time he needed alone earlier. He finally gets that, and he goes and he prays. Meanwhile, the guys are out on the boat. This is what we talked about last week. They're on the boat, but the storm comes up. 
I'm pretty sure Jesus knew the storm was going to happen. They end up in the middle of that great lake, about 10 miles wide, stuck in the middle. The boat's kind of sinking in this storm. They are freaking out. They are afraid. And Jesus comes strolling out in the water, walking on top of it. And that's where all 11 stay in the boat. But Peter's like, you guys are crazy. He gets out. He's like, I'm going where Jesus is. And he gets out of the boat, walks on water, meets Jesus. And the story continues and goes on. That's an amazing set of events and a story. I love that whole, that whole thing. We've talked about that for two weeks. And now today, though, here's what we're going to do. Today, we're going all the way back to the front of the story. So when Jesus gets word that his cousin has been executed and he needs to be alone, that's the point. We're going to go further past that just a little bit and come and come back to this point. So I'm going back and we're going to bring you to this point. So we're really ending this series really where the story begins. So here is where we are. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, okay, Jesus, I had to catch up in, in my thoughts here. Jesus had been uh, in his hometown and he did what Jesus did. He was uh, teaching and he was healing and the people in his hometown where Jesus was raised were amazed. They were amazed. But then they started thinking, wait a minute, isn't, th isn't this Jesus the son of Mary from the carpenter's house? That Jesus? Isn't that Jesus? Why in the world are we listening to Jesus? That's what they were saying. I mean, they were like, forget that. I mean, yeah, that was kind of neat, but forget it. And, and here's what Jesus did. He simply, okay, these people passed on Jesus. Jesus, oh, that's good. Cool. Oh, no, thanks. They passed. And Jesus allowed it, and he was like, okay, and he left. He just left. I mean, they had their chance, and he just left. And guess where? J Jesus went to another town. And then right after that, here's what he does in Mark chapter 6. Listen to this, verse 7. And he called, that's Jesus, called his 12 disciples together, and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Now, he gave them some kind of special power or authority for this assignment, and they could cast out spirits, they could do some healing. It was pretty awesome. Verse 8, he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them, verse 9 says, he allowed them to wear sandals. Thank you, Jesus. But not to take a change of clothes. And I can just imagine his followers be like, his disciples, but Jesus, I'm already packed. I mean, we've been following you around the desert in this area in Israel. We've been following you. I already got my bags, Jesus. I'm ready to go. It's a small bag. I mean, it's not going to take much room, really. I mean, I could put it in the overhead compartment on the airplane. It's going to be okay. It won't weigh me down. It won't stop me. It's Jesus like, no, leave it. But Jesus, wait, I, I don't think you understand. My toothbrush is in here. I, I don't want my breath to stink, Jesus. My toothbrush and my antiperspirant. 
And you know, I'm a hairy guy. It, I need my antiperspirant. I'm going to be offensive. Besides that, Jesus, I've got, I've got a little extra cash in case we come by the McDonald's. I, I, I like the two for three. It's a good deal. Jesus, I've got in here a change of underwear and a change of clothes because when I go to wash in these clothes, I need something to put on. It's going to be awkward, Jesus. Can I just take this? That's all I need. I'll take this. And Jesus is like, well, ah, nope. I tell you what, just take a stick. Just a stick. Mm-hmm. Take a stick. That's all you need. Just follow my instructions. He goes on, verse 10. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave the town. Verse 11. But if any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. Ooh, that sounds like it stings. Verse 12. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And verse 13. And they cast out many demons and they healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So they now, after they have this journey, we're not sure how long it took, but after they have this journey, they now come back and they return to Jesus and they tell him all about everything that they have done. They are super excited, but Jesus had just received confirmation that his cousin had been killed, executed, and they're coming back telling these exciting stories and Jesus, so that's the point where, where we picked up on week number one. Does that make sense? That happened before. So Jesus sent out the 12. But Jesus wasn't done sending. Jesus kept sending. Soon after that, Jesus does all of this again. And this time, Jesus sends his disciples out with 72 people. So this time, he's taking 72 people, sending them out in pairs to do basically the same thing he just had the 12 do. In other words, he, he's really saying, if you're going to be my disciple, a disciple of Jesus, and this applies to us even today, he said, if you're going to follow me, it means you are going to be involved in my work. If you're going to follow me, Jesus would say, you're going to be involved in what I care about, what I am passionate about, you will be involved in that. And that applies to us today. So Jesus called these folks to follow him. Now, in the beginning, way back when Jesus first started calling his disciples, Jesus used a very specific uh, image for some of them. Because some of them had been in the boat all day long. And they had been fishing. They were cleaning their nets. They were professional, commercial fishermen. They had been fishing. And Jesus kind of spoke to them in a way that they would really grasp what Jesus was saying. And so he used their job to help them understand what was getting ready to come. He said, I'm inviting you to follow me, and I'm going to make you, as he spoke to these fishermen, I'm going to make you fishers of men, which is a great analogy. As Jesus was saying, you're going to still but now you are going to be fishing for men. 
That's what's going to happen. I want you to follow me. Let's go do that. Now, it's so interesting. They were expert fishermen. They understood. They fished. The fish were in the water, and the fish would be there in the water until they got caught. They'd be there. They'd keep growing. They'd get big. If you missed it today, it's going to be bigger tomorrow. And so it would be there in the water. Yeah, let's go fishing for men. That's a great idea. We'll follow you, Jesus. But now he's speaking to some of the same men and others, but now he changes the picture, the mental image that he gives them associated with what he wants them to do. He changes it. He goes deeper. Because while if you go fishing, the fish will be there until you catch them. They're going to keep eating. They're going to get bigger, right? He changes the picture to something a little more sensitive, a little deeper meaning, something with more urgency, something with now maybe higher importance. And here's the visual image he gives them as he's talking to now these 72 and sending them out. Here's what he says, Luke 10, verse 2. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, he changes completely from fishing to a harvest. The harvest is very time sensitive. The harvest, when it is ready, it is ready. The harvest has to be brought in, has to come in to the barn while it's ready. If you wait too long, it doesn't just grow bigger and get better. It is time sensitive. You have to bring it in from the field while it is ready you either reap it now when it's ready or that harvest is going to rot in the field. It is going to be destroyed by weather or it is going to wither. Jesus is saying, you're still on the same mission, but now understand this. It is time sensitive. I need you, he's saying to these guys, these 72, I need you to hurry. Time is short. There's no time to waste. This harvest is ready. I, I, we have to get busy and get in the harvest. So then he gives them more instructions. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now Jesus is implying something here. He's implying that if you are going to be praying for more workers to come into the field, yes, 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 pray because Jesus told us to pray that. But it's implying that you are in the field as well. You see, you're not praying to have someone come in and replace you. You're not praying to have, go, to have someone come in in place of you. He's saying you're praying that someone will come in beside you. That God will send more people into the field beside you. Yes, that is what you're doing. Our part is to be a part of the harvest, to be one of the harvesters, and to pray that more harvesters will come in beside us and work in the field. More people beside us. And when they come in the field, guess what our job is? When a new person comes in the field beside us, our job is to teach them what we're doing. Our job is not to teach them what we're doing so that we can go hit the lazy boy in the recliner in the hot tub. No, our job is to teach them what we're doing so there are more 
harvesters in the field. It is basically to take the people that come in beside us that God sends and to mentor them and teach them to do what we're doing in the field. That's our job. Jesus is basically offering them this. I want you, he would say, to lose yourself. Lose yourself. Right here, I know you want to take that bag with you. It's got all your stuff in it. You're ready to go. It's packed. You're not saying that you won't follow Jesus. No, 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 no. You're not saying that. You're just saying, I want to bring all this other stuff with me. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Lose yourself. Just get in the field. Lose yourself. You choose to lose yourself rather than to make excuses. To say, here, Jesus, I understand what you're asking. It's a good thing. We need to be out there in the field. But listen, I will do that. I'm not saying I won't do it. I'm just saying, Jesus, I need to do it later. I mean, my life is crazy right now. Have you seen the, the schedule for this spring? It's crazy. Have you seen what I have going on? Jesus, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying there's a better time this summer. I'm going to have a week in there too. It's going to be better. Not now, Jesus, not now. Jesus saying, no, 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 I, I, I need harvesters right now. I need you to lose yourself. Leave yourself back there, all of your excuses, all the stuff you want to hang on to. Lose yourself. Choose to lose yourself. And then Jesus gets super motivational here. I mean, this fired them up, pumped them up. Verse 3, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Is this Jesus or Tony Robbins? Because you're so encouraging, Jesus. You're, wait, you're serious. <laughs> you weren't joking? You're, we're the lambs? And you're sending this to the wolves who like to eat the lambs for dinner. Wouldn't we be better if you sent us off as like the soldiers? Or maybe David who killed Goliath? <laughs> or your champions, your power ranger disciples? I, I mean really lambs because really all the lamb can do is like make wool so you want us to defend ourselves with blankets Jesus that is some kind of motivation lambs among the wolves but Jesus knew what he was asking in fact Jesus knew exactly what he was asking when Jesus began his public ministry, his cousin, John the Baptizer, that he was very close to, was involved. In fact, he kind of introduced him to the thousands of people that were gathered to listen to John teach. And John gets eye. There's Jesus over there. And he says, wait, wait, wait. There he is. That's Jesus. And he introduces him to all of the people there. This is the Lamb of God. Not just any lamb, the lamb of God. The lamb is going, and the implication is this, the lamb is going to be sacrificed dead for the sins of the world. 
Jesus came as the lamb among wolves. Jesus knew exactly what he was asking of these 72 people. He knew what he was asking. Verse 4. He said, don't take any money with you. No traveler's bag. Not even an extra pair of sandals. Jesus was tough. Not even an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road, he said. That sounds rude, but what he's saying is, your task, your mission is urgent. It's so important. Go and do this. This is a harvest, he said. It is ripe and it is ready. Or if you don't go, it's going to rot in the field. It is ready. It is urgent. And so that means he needed them to go quickly. He needed them to be light, to leave all of that behind, travel light, be single-minded, be focused on what I'm asking you to do. Stay on task. Verse 10, he gives him more instructions. But if a town refuses to welcome you, now this sounds a lot like what he told the twelve. If they refuse to welcome you, go out into the streets and say this. Now, he's going to tell them something to do and a message to give them, and it's going to be one big picture. He said this in verse 11. We wipe, this is what they're supposed to tell the town and do it at the same time. We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, so he's saying, but know this, regardless of whether you choose to follow Jesus or not, know this, the kingdom of God is near. It's close. It's near. And you're making a choice. Wow, that's a tough message. But let me give you a picture, an understanding of why this is so potent and such a shocking message. Not to us, it was to them. Because the, the, they knew this symbol of wiping the dust off their feet and the dust off their body. Here's, here's what would happen. Someone who was a very devout Israeli, if they would go travel in another country, before they crossed back into the border of their country, of Israel, they would stop at the border and they would wipe all the dust off their clothes and they would take their sandals and shake all the dust out of their sandals and wipe it off before they went back into Israel. And here's why. Because it was a message. They were saying, God has asked us to follow him and to be separate from these other nations. And we know God wanted them separate so he could bring Jesus, the Messiah, through Israel. He kept them separate for that purpose. But here's what they're saying to the world. Uh, we're, we're, we are so separate from you that we're not even going to take your dust. We're not going to bring in your culture. We're not going to bring in your gods. We're not going to bring in your, your way of life and how you make decisions. We're leaving that all there. We're not bringing that into Israel. We're not even bringing in dust. We're leaving it all behind. We're going to take the dust out and get rid of it. We're going to wipe it all off. We're coming in clean. None of you is coming in with us. That was the message. And now Jesus is asking these 72 people, as he did the, the 12 earlier, he's asking them to do the same thing except not to other countries, to fellow Israelites, to communities and villages who were rejecting Jesus. 
He's telling them to stand in the middle of the town and give them the message that you have forever given all these other countries, but you give it to your own brothers and your own communities. You shake the dust out, you wipe it all off, and you tell them. You think that you're part of God and following God, but you are not. You have made a decision today to reject him, to choose your own path, your path, not God's path. And we are leaving you behind to deal with God's judgment. Whoa, this was big. This was shocking. But that's what Jesus asked him to do. Powerful, powerful, powerful trip that he was sending these guys on. He was making it very clear. If you reject God, you, if you reject this message, you are rejecting God himself. Now, he goes on with some more instructions. Verse, verse 16. Then he said to the disciples... Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me, Jesus said. They accept this message, this gospel, they're accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So here's what Luke goes on to communicate, kind of how that plays out. He's saying if you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God. If you reject God, you are aligning yourself with the evil one. And if you're aligning yourself with the evil one instead of God, then that means you are choosing for your eternity to be aligned with the evil one. Whatever's going to befall him, it's going to befall you. Is that what you want? He said, that's what you're doing, is what, what they were saying. So those who went on this mission, they were to shake the dust off their shoes and wipe the dust off their bodies. If these people rejected God... Wow, what a shocking, powerful, powerful message. And so they went out on this trip, and that's what they did. Some people rejected, some people didn't. Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They were like, it worked. <laughs> it really worked. What you told us to do worked. And Jesus responds with this. Verse 20, but don't rejoice, he said, because evil spirits obey you. He said, come on, fellas. Don't rejoice because of what you did, because they obeyed you. He said, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. He was like, yes, 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 I want you to celebrate. Come on in, let's gather around. Let's celebrate. But this is not about you, and it's not about what you have done. I instead want you to celebrate something else. I want you to celebrate that your name is in heaven being held by God himself. And he's not going to let it go because you chose to submit to him and to follow him. Celebrate the fact that your name is being held in heaven. And guess what? Because you just went on this journey... You know what else you can celebrate? That there are other people whose names are being held by God now because of what you have done and this journey you have gone on and this message you have spread. Celebrate that. Not what you have done, but that names are being held in heaven by God. Celebrate that. Now Jesus knew exactly what he was asking of these people. He was saying, I want you to lose yourself. 
I want you to leave yourself behind. Lose yourself. And he knew what he was asking because that is exactly what Jesus himself had done. So Jesus is standing here saying, lose yourself. Now let's flash back a little further in the life of Jesus. And let's go to Jesus in the manger. Jesus in the manger. Jesus knew exactly what he was asking them to lose themselves. Because Jesus in the manger, Jesus, we were told, would be called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God living among us, God tabernacling, bringing his tent and pitching it right here among us. That's what Emmanuel means. Here's what that means. God in heaven decided God who is limitless in heaven. Let no limits. God who lives in amazing heaven chose to leave heaven. He left it. He left the amazement of heaven and came to this earth where toes can be stubbed and thumbs can be hit by hammers. This earth. He chose to lose. And he chose to take his limitless life, his spirit as God, limitless, no limits. And he chose to put on the flesh and the bones and the blood of his own creation, which is very, very limited compared to the limitless God. Now listen to this. He didn't just put on this flesh and blood for the 33 years he was on this earth. When he put on the flesh and blood of his creation, he put it on for eternity. For eternity, he will forever, Jesus, be fully man and fully God. From limitless to the limited. Jesus knew exactly what he was asking them to lose. Do you know how limited this flesh is? It can die. God, who was limitless in this flesh, died. Jesus knew exactly what he was asking when he's asking these 72 and now you and now me to lose ourselves. Let's look at this description of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude. Though he was God, Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
keepers are weepers. He said, no. Jesus said, no. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took on the humble position of a slave. Jesus, losers are finders. He took on the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on the cross. God died as a criminal. Jesus lost for us. Jesus lost himself for us. He left it behind for us to live here as one of us. Jesus lost himself for us. He lost, but he won. Verse 9, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. He gave the name, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and, listen to this, under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's my challenge to you this morning, all of us, myself included. Let's go lose ourselves. Let's lose our self. Let's lose the me first part of my life. Let's lose the, okay, God, yes, I know what you're calling me to do. I'm not saying I won't go. I just can't go now. My life is crazy. You understand, God. I know you understand. The truth is he does not understand. He wants you in the harvest now. We can choose to lose. Losers are finders, according to God. Or we can choose to be keepers. Keepers are weepers, according to God. But it is actually a choice that we are making right now, this moment, today. And here's what we're asking of you today. As the band is making their way to the front, I'm just simply going to throw this out. We're asking you this spring and this summer, will you make the choice to lose yourself and go out of here and love the people around you, where you shop, where you live, where you eat, where you work, and encourage those people, love those people, and then bring them here to sit beside of you. Will you lose yourself this summer? And there's three very specific ways we're asking you to lose. Here's the first. Will you choose to lose yourself through community outreach? And let me tell you what I mean. You're going to hear us talk through this summer and the fall about uh, movie nights, family movie nights. I don't know what we're calling them, but that's going to be the basic idea. Family movie nights. And our encouragement is to choose to lose yourself. So we're not asking you to just show up at a family movie night. That's not losing yourself. What we're asking you to do is to go into the community, the people that you're loving, the people that you're encouraging, the people that you're praying for, the people that you're talking to, all of those people. And we're specifically saying people who are not already involved in another church somewhere this morning, those aren't the people. They're already in the harvest. We're talking about the people that you live with, work with, that are not in a church today, loving them, and then bring them with you to a community movie. The community movie really is not for us here. It's for them, but you've got to go bring them. 
We're asking you to lose yourself with community outreach. You've heard us talk about kid camps. We love kid camps. We're going to be doing more kid camps. You've heard us talk about dance camp. It was phenomenal. We, we really don't, are not just trying, of course, we got some amazing dancers. I'm on, but, well, I'll demonstrate later. But we're asking, we have other people who can teach. We're not really worried about teaching them amazing dance moves, although they might learn something pretty amazing. We're asking them to come here and learn dance, but guess what we're going to do? We're also going to love them and teach them about Jesus. You hear us talk about dance camps, art camps. You'll hear us talk about rock camp. Not like we're the rock, but like, woo! You'll hear us talk about other kid camps, and the whole goal is not to give your children an activity, although they will have fun and we want them here, but the reason we do it is so that your children and you can go out into the community, the place you live and the people you love and where you work, and bring them with you. How can you lose yourself with community outreach? That's how. It's not just for us. It's for them. That's who it's for. And to bring those people with you. Lose yourself with community outreach. Here's the next one. Lose yourself on Sunday morning. You see, we're already here. We're here this morning. We're here. But we're asking to lo- you to lose yourself by, while you are at work, while you are at school, while you are at shopping, wherever you are, those people... We're asking you to invite them to sit right beside you on a Sunday to lose yourself on Sunday. And here's the third way. This is not really a buffet. We're saying, hey, would you pick one of these and do them? We're asking you really to do all three of these. Here's the third. Would you, would you lastly lose yourself by joining a Sunday morning serving team? Every single serving team that we have on Sunday in some way is helping us love people all the way to Jesus. Even if it is picking up a broom and a mop and preparing this building for the next gathering of worship gatherings. Even if it's that, it is everything we do is about getting us a step closer to Jesus. And on those Sunday serving teams, we have a place for you. Every single team is expanding and growing because we are expanding and growing. And we need you to partner with us, to walk with us, beside us, and join a Sunday serving team. Will you help us to continue to be what God wants Stuttgart Harvest Church to be? Will you continue to serve alongside of us and to love these people around us with community outreach, with Sunday morning having people sitting beside you, and by serving those people on Sunday? Will you partner with us to lose ourselves? Let me know on your connection card. Let me know on Facebook. Let me know in a private message, a text message, or an email. Let's love these people And let's pray now. Father, you told us to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his privileges, took on the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And God... You elevated him to the highest place of honor and you gave him the name above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to all the glory of God and the Father, the Father in heaven. And now, Jesus, may we lose ourselves and follow you into your harvest. It is urgent. Families families are at stake, lives are at stake, and God, eternities are at stake. God, we ask you to give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard. And Heavenly Father, we ask for the courage to do it. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.